from Red Bull. This is Beyond the Ordinary. I was seeing stars for a while and then I did that thing that you do when you hurt yourself. I reached up to touch my face and nothing happened. My hands didn't move. The doctor comes in, he goes, oh, I've looked at your MRI scans. And then I asked him, will I ever walk again? And he's, he was so blunt. He just goes, no, you'll never walk again. Your injury is devastating. We just don't know what you're going to get back. Yeah, we don't know if you're going to get anything back. But in the same breath, there's a however, which is a word that you really want to hear in that situation, right? You may not get anything back. However, we are running a clinical experimental research trial funded by a group called Wings for Life and uh, you would be eligible. Hello, I'm Nick Bright, and you're listening to Beyond the Ordinary. In today's episode, we'll be exploring an incredible charity event. The Wings for Life World Run raises funds and awareness for spinal cord injury. In 2021, running for the third time is self-confessed normal guy Stephen Dowd. Stephen has a very personal reason for wanting to find a cure for spinal cord injury. It all began on a glorious summer day in 2016 as he cycled to work in London. Normal guy, normal life, feeling on top of the world. Beautiful sunny day, uh, wind in my hair as I was on my bike. And unfortunately, I hit a barrier I didn't see. And in hitting that barrier, I went over the top. My face smashed into the grit. I'm 16 stone, six foot three. Uh, I'd just gone over the top of a barrier and landed all of that, my entire body weight on my face. Um, so yeah, I was seeing stars for a while and then I did that thing that you do when you hurt yourself. I reached up to touch my face and kind of give myself a rub and a bit of comfort. And unfortunately, as I went to do that, nothing happened. My hands didn't move. At that point, I I panicked. I knew something was happening that was out of my control. So I went to do it again and unfortunately, the same thing. I could feel that panic rising in my chest. I could feel it rising from my chest up to my throat and it felt like I was being strangled. It was a real out of control feeling. But I put a stopper on that particular sensation and said, look, this isn't going to help you. This panic that you're feeling now, this desperation, isn't going to help you in any way. Right here, right now, what you need to do is just get through this second. I took a breath. I sort of just, just focused on getting through that second, which I did. And I said to myself, okay, you've done it. Now just get through this second. And I did it again. And I did it again for the further seconds following that. And I literally was living my life second by second by second. Um, It's funny how my life that was totally normal, I'm a regular guy, good job in the city and family, friends, all that sort of stuff that we all take for granted so often. And then in a split second, there I was living my life second by second. Stephen was instantly paralysed from the neck down. He had suffered an incomplete spinal cord injury. The spinal cord is a collection of nerves about the thickness of your little finger, which runs from your brain and down into the body within your spine. It is a very complicated information superhighway, carrying messages back and forth between the brain and the body. These messages enable us to move, feel pressure and control vital functions like breathing, blood pressure, bladder and bowels. Wings for Life researcher and Yale University neurologist Professor Stephen Strittmarter explains. 
So the whole spinal cord isn't damaged, usually just one level. And then all the function below that level is impaired or even lost. The brain wants to move the arms or the legs, and it can't get the signal to the healthy part of the spinal cord that's below the injury. Until recently, a spinal cord injury meant a severely limited life, completely dependent on others. But while still slow, huge advances in modern medicine have meant there is now progress. Samuel David is Professor of Neurology and Neurosurgery at McGill University in Canada. I get asked, why haven't we found a cure yet? Well, we are working on a very tough problem. In a way, to peel back the mysteries of 300 million years of evolution. When you put it in that context, what we have done in 30 years is absolutely incredible. According to the World Health Organization, of the 250,000 traumatic spinal cord injuries every year, half are from traffic accidents and 24% are the result of falls. During a family holiday in Thailand in 2013, Sam Bloom fell through a rotten balcony rail. Her husband Cam and their three sons could just watch as the lively, sporty nurse fell six metres to the concrete below. I would hate to have seen the boys' reaction. They ran down and, you know, found me like lying there, bleeding, and, you know, I wasn't breathing terribly well, and they were horrified, so I'm glad I don't remember that. The most vivid memory after the accident was um, I was in theatre, but I actually didn't know I was in theatre. You know, they were going to put rods and screws in my back. I remember them putting a central line in my neck, and that really hurt. And I remember gripping onto the sheet, and then I saw them pull my T-shirt up and cut that off. And then you just see that mask come down over your face. Sam was told that being so physically fit had helped save her life and that the paralysis she was experiencing was due to spinal shock, which would wear off. That hope soon disappeared when she returned home to Australia. The doctor comes in, he goes, oh, I've looked at your MRI scans. And I'm like, okay. And then I asked him, will I ever walk again? And he's, he was so blunt. He just goes, no, you'll never walk again. I just pulled the sheet over my head and I burst into tears. And I, I never saw him again. I remember saying to Cam, I wish I'd died. And yeah, as far as I was concerned, my life was over because I couldn't be the same mum. You know, I wasn't the same person. To me, a spinal cord injury is just like soul destroying. At St George's Hospital in London, Stephen was under the care of neurosurgeon Professor Marius Papadopoulos and his research assistant Matthew Gallagher. Matt came to my bedside and you could see on his face that it wasn't going to be good. He said to me effectively, your injury is devastating. Uh, you have a spinal cord injury where you've crushed and bent your spinal cord. You haven't severed it. Uh, you haven't severed it, so that's what's called an incomplete spinal cord injury. But with an incomplete injury, we just don't know what you're going to get back. Yeah, we don't know if you're going to get anything back. The virtual clouds descend, you know, the world goes black, it's a very dark place. My wife and I had a very honest conversation and said, if this is going to be me driving around in a power chair with my mouth for the rest of my life, then I'm not sure I want that for me. And I didn't want that for the others either, my wife particularly. You know, I didn't want her to spend 40 years looking after me. So we had a very honest conversation and said, if that is going to be the case, 
then I'm out. Uh, I'll book a one-way ticket to Switzerland and we'll, we'll call it a day. So Matt told me about what happened. Steve, your injury is so devastating, we just don't know what you're going to get back, if anything. But in the same breath, there's a however moment, which is a word that you really want to hear in that situation, right? (laughs) You may not get anything back. However, we are running a clinical experimental research trial. It's funded by a group called Wings for Life. If you wanted to be involved in this clinical research trial, you would be eligible. Stephen had never heard of Wings for Life before, nor of Hans Kindergartner, whose paralysis from a motorbike accident left him paralysed from the neck down. After the accident, Hans's dad, two-time motocross world champion Heinz Kindergartner, worked with his good friend and Red Bull boss Dietrich Mateschitz to find out how they could best support spinal cord injury research. Wings for Life CEO Anita Gertharter picks up the story. They invited leading neurologists and scientists to Salzburg because they wanted to find out about the present state of spinal cord research. They wanted to know if there was a glimmer of hope or if this injury still is a lifelong sentence. And all these experts, they said there is legitimate hope of finding a cure. There are really promising research projects out there. The only thing lacking is money to finance them. And this piece of information was practically the hour of birth for Wings for Life. And the both of them established the Research Foundation in 2004. And ever since then, we are financing neuroscientists all around the globe and support them in their search of finding a cure for spinal cord injury. Stephen was being offered a chance to take part in an experimental surgical procedure, but there were no guarantees it would help. To minimise the impact of secondary damage caused by swelling around the injury, they needed to operate quickly. Stephen and his wife Helen only had an hour to decide. It was a bit of a no-brainer, really. You know, bearing in mind at this point, I'm literally a pair of eyes on a pillow staring up at ceiling tiles, thinking that my world is going to be like this potentially forever. It didn't take long at all. I literally, in the space of 10 minutes, we decided that, you know, sign me up. But it felt like this was a lifeline. It felt like this was hope. So I'm lying in bed in intensive care and I'm about 24 hours after surgery and uh, I'm, I'm still ahead on a pillow, really, looking up at ceiling tiles. You know, there's still not a lot I can do. It's very early on after the surgery. And uh, I look across to Helen, who's on my left-hand side, and I open one eye and I said to Helen, what's 200 days from now? And she said, it's December the 22nd. Why's that? And I said, give me Christmas Day and I'll be back to normal. And that became my 200 days promise to Helen, but also it became my daily motivation. It was reinforced when Professor Papadopoulos turned up at the end of my bed in intensive care and asked a few questions and asked me to do a few things. Uh, I couldn't really do much at all, but that that I did do gave him enough hope to drop this incredible bombshell and just went, yeah, I think you all could walk again. And then just, poof, that green smoke just disappeared. It was incredible because 
like when I was first told about the injury and the whole world goes dark and, and you have this weight descend upon you, in that one sentence, that weight was lifted. Hope came flooding in. Stephen was in agony following the surgery, but he embraced it. Pain was proof that sensation was returning to his body. Meanwhile, on the other side of the world, Sam's mental health was suffering. Paralysed from the chest down, she couldn't do any of the sports she loved. Soccer, mountain biking and crucially surfing. But there was something new to try. Two weeks after her discharge from hospital, Sam was back in the water. Luckily for me, there's a lake about 15 minutes away from where we live. And I went down and, um, and I had my first go of kayaking. You know, it was pretty nerve-wracking because I have no core muscles, I have no balance. But it was just so nice. It was just so nice to be out of the wheelchair and on the water and kind of surrounded by nature again. Not having control is the one thing I really struggle with. When I was in the kayak, I did have control and it gave me a sense of freedom. So yeah, the kayaking was huge for my mental health. A reason to get out of bed, yeah, meant the world to me. Sam was spotted by the selectors of the Australian Paracanoe team and her life gained new purpose. It was just amazing because it was kind of also gave me something to talk about. Like before I got on the Australian team, you know, people would come up and go, oh, hey, Sam, how are you going? And, you know, I was kind of like, yeah, fine. Like I had, I had nothing to say. But when I got on the team, I was like, yeah, you know, I've got to go to Queensland, which is the state above where I live, you know, for training and going to the gym three times a week. And um, we were heading over to Italy for the World Championships, which was really cool. By 2015, Sam was ready to try surfing again. A friend of mine is Tom Carroll, who used to be a professional surfer. And so Tom pushed me on a few waves and I loved it. I was like, yeah, I kind of feel like a little bit like my old self again. You know, sure, it's not the same, but just had this massive smile on my face and I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And then in 2018, I went to in a competition, the Australian Adaptive Surf Titles. I did well and I got on the Australian team then. And that's when I went to America that year and competed at the World Championships. And I won and yeah, I was stoked. The best part of the World Championships is, you know, you get to meet these amazing people from all over the world and Everybody has a story. You know, obviously there's a lot of spinal cord injuries. I don't know, it's just got this incredible energy. Everyone is so, so stoked. And you just know that they love surfing and just bring some happiness. I guess I feel more at home in the ocean, you know, and I've grown up reading the waves and you kind of know where to be to catch the good waves. And the best part for me is um, Cam and I were like a team. So he pushes me onto the waves and then comes and rescues me and takes me back out the bat. Yeah, I love it. If I meet other people who've had an injury or, you know, not even necessarily spinal cord injury, I always say, like, you just need to find something that you love doing and you need just to have, like, a purpose or a goal just to kind of help you feel like, I guess, your old self again. In the UK, Stephen was reaching for his goal too. Working hard with incredible physiotherapists and supported as always by wife Helen and their family, 
Stephen was determined to keep the promise he made just hours after surgery. 200 days later, Christmas Day, my house, South East London. My family are next door. My friends are next door. There is laughing and joking. There is a Christmas tunes playing on the radio. You know, it's, it's like everybody else's Christmas Day. And I'm standing in my kitchen. And not only am I standing in my kitchen, but I'm standing there with this giant silver platter and this really heavy bird on this platter. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, don't drop it. <laughs> this is Delicately, but gingerly, but very definitely under my own steam, take a few footsteps forward and a few more footsteps forward and I walk my Christmas turkey to our Christmas table and complete that promise to my wife, Helen, and to my friends and family and colleagues. You said you would do it and you've done it, haven't you? 200 days. Yay! You rocked it, Steve. Well done. So, yeah, it was an incredibly intense ending to an incredibly intense six months. Stephen continued to push himself, walking further, learning to ski and even cycling 100 miles on a static bike in just six hours to raise money for the foundation which gave him hope. Wings for Life. It's only with vital support from foundations like Wings for Life that neuroscientists Professor Samuel David and Professor Stephen Stripmatter have a chance of succeeding in their single mission to find a cure for spinal cord injury. If we want to push further and faster the work that's done in spinal cord injury, we need to have organizations, we need to have foundations whose sole function is to target and focus on spinal cord injury. So Wings for Life plays this really essential role that can't be filled or won't be filled by the government or by pharmaceutical companies. The eventual goal is shared by almost every project. But nobody can predict today that this is the one route to take to get to that goal, and we need to pursue many routes. We can see a cure possible, but we're not there yet. Wings for Life wants to fund as many of these research routes as possible. But as CEO Anita Gerthharter explains, to do so, the foundation needs the support of Wings for Life world runners running for those who can't. Medical research is really cost extensive. And of course, our biggest fundraiser is the Wings for Life world run. So far, the run has helped us to raise 30 million euros and this extra income has put our funding possibilities on a whole new level. We can now support more projects, we can support bigger projects to give affected people step by step various bodily functions back. Because the Wings for Life World Run is a truly global event, Sam Bloom in her wheelchair and now running Stephen Dowd can both take part, even though they're on different hemispheres. Stephen can remember taking part in 2019. It was the first time he'd tried to run since his accident. I was standing on the beginning of the World Run start line 
and there's the countdown and I'm listening to the app and they're telling you when you're about to go and it's five, four, three, two, one, go. And everybody sets off running and I made a point of putting myself at the back of that crowd because I didn't want to fall over immediately in front of everybody. So I start taking a few footsteps and I start building those footsteps into a bit of a canter and eventually I end up not in any kind of normal wide running stride. I've very much, even today, not got that. Um, but it wasn't walking. It was definitely running. It wasn't fast. It wasn't pretty. But it was definitely running. And just by being on the start line, I'd already won. So now I just had to enjoy the process and desperately try not to bury my face in the floor. Uh, but I started running and I, I got to 3K. And I thought, oh my God, I've run 3K after injury. And I carried on because the catcher car hadn't caught me. And I got to 5K. So I'd run the same distance as I was running before my injury. And the car still hadn't caught me. So I just carried on. I carried on putting one foot in front of the other just to see how far I could go before this catcher car would catch up with me. And I got to 7K before it passed me. What an emotional moment to be someone who could run again. And all thanks to, to Wings for Life for making that happen. As well as being an important fundraising event, the Wings for Life World Run is also a lot of fun. The Wings for Life World Run in two, in one. We are running for those who can't. Wings for Life World Run is underway around the world. The Wings for Life World Run raises valuable funds for spinal cord injury research. But that's not the only thing that makes it special. Worldwide on May 9th, participants, whether they're pro athletes, runners, rollers or walkers, start their race at exactly the same time. 30 minutes later, the virtual catcher car sets off in pursuit. Your 30 minute head start is up. I'm on my way now. Sooner or later... I will get you. The aim isn't to reach a finish line, but to run, roll or walk as far as possible before the catcher car passes you. Pre-COVID, there was a physical car in flagship locations across the planet, but now the chase is virtual and everyone takes part independently on their own track with the Wings for Life World Run app for company. Wow, what a start! We can see people running on Copacabana Beach in Tokyo, Warsaw, Sydney. In the seven editions of the Wings for Life World Run, 700,000 participants have run, rolled and walked on all seven continents, raising over 29 million euros to support Wings for Life and its mission to find a cure for spinal cord injury. You're everywhere. It is so good to have you on board today. Give it all you've got. This year, just as last year, there are no crowds and no flagship runs. Instead, at 11am UTC on May 9th, the Wings for Life World Runners have 30 minutes to get as far ahead of the virtual catcher car as they possibly can and enjoy a true sense of community created by the special app. We have created a really fun audio experience. Servus, grüß euch aus Österreich. Hello from Great Britain. And even though you will be running on your own, your own track, you will have the feeling of being united, running with thousands of people all over the world with the app. We're in the starting blocks and are ready to go. Whether you're a runner, wheelchair user or Nordic walker, we are running for those who can't. 
The beautiful thing about the Wings for Life World Run is that everybody can participate, no matter how fit or how fast you are. Because the finish line is chasing you from behind. So you can stroll, you can do some power walking, you can run, or you can run like crazy, like the extreme runners who make 50, 60 kilometers. Hey, and that's the first kilometer in the bag. This is going like clockwork. So there is this one person who motivates you, tells you how far you already made it, and, you know, saying nice stuff to you. And the other person is the catcher car driver. He's a little bit uh, cheeky. Update from the catcher car. He's the person who, you know, makes you run probably a little bit further than you anticipated. I've now overtaken 10,000 world runners. Who's going to be next? So everyone who listens, please sign up and bring your friends and bring your family because we can build the world's largest running community. That would be so cool. So please, please sign up and be a part of it. The more projects we are able to finance, the more hope we have that uh, we will find a cure for spinal cord injury in the hopefully not too far distant future. Stephen has set himself the target of reaching eight kilometers before the catcher car passes him. Entries are still open for this year, so sign up and set yourself a challenge to run for those who can't on May the 9th. Run! Here we go! Press the start button in the app and run, run, run! Give it all you've got! We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Beyond the Ordinary. If you have, don't forget to tell your friends and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts from.